What's up, guys? Welcome to Real Men Talk. Today, we're going to be talking with special guest Kyler Sal, who's no stranger to Real Men Talk, and Principal Brooks Duncan. We're going to be talking about men in the schools. Let's get with it on Real Men Talk. Welcome to Real Men Talk, discussing the tough issues facing men and their families every day. Here are your hosts. All right, guys. Welcome back to Real Men Talk. Uh, today we've got special guest Kyler Sal. What's up, Kyler? Hey, guys. And Mr. Brooks Duncan. Aloha, brother. All right. So I'm super excited. Um, you know, Kyler Sal is no stranger to Real Men Talk. Brooks Duncan is a good friend of mine, longtime friend and uh, principal at a local school. And so today we're going to be talking about... Um, just men being in the school district, um, being part of uh, being influential in the schools. Um, so we'll we'll start off with something easy. Tell me something, uh, Kyler. We'll start with you. Tell me some what your favorite part about teaching. Um, I'm a person who likes to meet new people and develop those relationships. So I think my favorite thing is one. Like last night, we had our. Uh, open house. So I got to meet 130 different students, um, give or take a few, not everybody showed up, but I also got to meet parents and everybody's walk of life. So, I mean, I get to see anything from the best to the worst to everything in the middle. So I love being able to meet, see new people and learn their stories. So that's probably the best thing that I could think about for teaching. Awesome. Now, Brooks, you're a principal, so your role's a little bit different. What's, what's your favorite part? Um, I would have to say uh, having the responsibility of making sure that um, every student has an equitable chance of proper education, equitable chance of being successful, and also making sure that my teachers have every tool possible uh, that they can do have to be the best that they can be in their classrooms. I just love being that, that in-between piece to help them get what they need to get to go where they need to go. Right. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, naturally, next question, what's your least favorite part? Brooks, we'll start with you. Oh, man. Uh, Dealing with students uh, that do that have behavior problems that um, that you have to deal with at school that should be handled in the home. And uh, it's a fine line you have to, you know, walk. But, you know, we have a standard at school that you act a certain way. And when those standards aren't met, uh, that's just you have to be an enforcer sometimes. And that's that's the rough part of it. Right. Absolutely. Kyler. The 25 minute lunch. I'm going to need a little bit longer for that one and the very quick bathroom times. Very quick bathroom times. Well, we don't want to go to school till seven o'clock at night, so. That's true. That's true. It might take a little bit longer for sometimes, but yeah, those are few and far between. So, but bladders of steel. (laughs) That's hilarious. All right. So what made you guys want to become, uh, you you know, Kyler for you, a teacher Brooks, you were a teacher. This is what your second year being a principal. What, What made you guys want to do this? Well, uh, Well, I started off wanting to be a teacher, so it all started back with me. I just wanted to work with kids. And honestly, I took the route of being a children's pastor for a long time and was trying, you know, maybe move into a youth pastor role. And it just wasn't uh, that avenue working with children. I mean, this wasn't what I felt like my niche was. So uh, I felt like I need to go back to school and get in the education system, which is crazy because in all reality, um, I am – the, the total opposite of what a model student should have been in school. <laughs> and here I am leading a school. So uh, it's, it's, you know, it's just crazy that, uh, that I'm at this point in my life where, you know, I'm actually a principal now. So. <laughs> right. And killing it from what I understand. Well, you know, everyone has different perspective, but I try to do my best for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kyler, you. Mine's a little bit longer of a story. Um, I told everybody from day one that I was never going to be a teacher. 
that uh, they don't make enough money, that they are broke. Every teacher said that this is not the career for them. So my undergraduate degree is actually um, in pre-med with minors in biopsychology and chemistry. So I was headed to be a doctor. I was not headed to be anything along the teacher lines because they were broke and I was bound to determine not to be broke. You took a wrong exit, brother. I did. I did. I did. Wrong turn in Albuquerque. (laughs) It's kind of like Atlanta. I was trying to figure out which lane to get in. I had no idea which way to go. Um, So um, I graduated with pre-med, ready to go, ready to do everything. Took the MCAT, got the MCAT score, paid $1,000. Just let y'all know that's not cheap. Um, Oh, my goodness. To do all that schooling and stuff. um, And I got denied by every single application, no interviews, no nothing. And I said, okay, well, you know what? There's still hope. I'll wait a year. So I took a year off, came back home, and I was like, you know what? Maybe a doctor's not right. Maybe I'll just be a PA, a physician's assistant. It's like a doctor, but I don't have to do all the paperwork. And I was like, right. really? That's probably the best route. So came home, started co- coaching cross country, got suckered into that, ended up loving it, uh, suckered into that, and, uh, they're like, hey, well, why are you here? Why don't you start subbing? I was like, okay, cool. I'll start subbing. So uh, applied to PA school, got rejected by every single PA school that there was. That was another like $800 because it's $200 to send it to every school you send it to. Oh so by now, not only am I rejected, but I'm broke even more. You know, <laughs> so you're, broke, up, you're broke, broke before you become a teacher. <laughs> I was broke before I was broke. Oh, man. So then uh, I started teaching and the Lord's like, you just wait. You just wait. So I started subbing and subbing and subbing more. And I was like, I love this. I love everything about this. I love like creating the lesson plans. I like the creativity of all the kids. I loved it. And the Lord was like, yeah, buddy, you do love it. And this is why you're here. So I quickly um, changed. I mean, I already had my bachelor's and everything. So I did a uh, quick alternative certification route. Long story short, became a teacher. And now here I am. So Wow. Yeah. The Lord knows what's good for you. That's all I know. You know, and you, which I sub a little bit, you know, here and there and stuff. And I've been in the school. I've seen you in action, Kyler. And the kids love you. Like, hey, listen, they, if it doesn't come across them, I do love them. <laughs> Sometimes that gets misinterpreted. Old. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Love and so, correction you know, go hand in hand. <laughs> they, that's truth. That's true. That's biblical right there. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and so on, on that topic, you know, the, with the correction and different things like that, um, you know, obviously that, that would be, you know, Brooks, like you said, some of the most difficult part, um, some of the challenges that you guys see inside the school district. Um, what, what are some of those? Okay. So, um, I mean, this is you couldn't pick two better people because we also, I mean, you have a teacher and a principal, but you also have a large school compared to a small school. So you're going to see right. probably some different perspectives here. So in a small school setting at Naylor, um, we still believe in um, corporal punishment. We still believe in um, doing what we got to do to get our point across. Um, now, we do run into those cases sometimes where parents don't want it and uh, we'll find alternative routes. But Thankfully, being in a small school, um, we are allowed to set a standard and hold kids to that standard. Now, is it a battle? Obviously, you're dealing with kids. But uh, I would think that our liberties and uh, our abilities as admin and even teachers um, are probably a little bit more lenient compared to um, what you would get in a larger school. Hence, also, I believe that correlates if you look at uh, what kind of behavior problems you're going to have in a larger school compared to a smaller school, um, especially when, you know, you're limited on what you can do. They're going to be way higher than a larger in a larger school compared to what we have to deal with at a smaller scale. So it's 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 it, we have a lot more liberty when it comes to uh, correcting and punishing children. But in that same instance, we don't deal with uh, the amount of uh disrespect and the amount of uh, uh, this disobedience that you would see in a large school. Right. And I imagine it makes it a lot easier to discipline a kid when you know their parents, you know, you, you're in a small 
school. Right. right? Yeah. Like, you know, everybody knows everybody. Exactly. Everybody knows I mean, especially, parents. especially since I live in the town, um, mm-hmm. you know, you go down to the gas station, you're going to probably see three or four students or the parents of those students or the parents right. of the students are working that gas station. And, uh, they know that you want what's best for their kid. Uh, they might, you know, get mad at you when you're correcting their kid because you right. know, sometimes that's what we deal with. A lot of times is that we are, you'll find that schools can be more strict than mm-hmm. what kids get at home. Right. And that's, that's another battle we have to face. So yeah, it's it, being in a small town and everybody knowing everybody kind of helps keep people in check too. It's awesome. Yeah. Now, Kyler, you're, you're a teacher here at Popper Bluff, you know, mm-hmm. which at, at the junior high, there's probably what given 1200 students at any given time or uh, how many kids do you think are there? I think our enrollment's right at 800 this year. 800. About 400 is- per grade. Gotcha. Well, that's man. It's a lot of kids. So, what are some difficulties you're seeing uh, on in a, in a big school? Our main issue is a level of respect. Um, we are losing respect for teachers. We're losing respect for, I mean, parents, admin, um, kids coming to school. They think they can kind of just do what they want to, and they've lost the importance of wanting to come to school. Um, they think that it's just something they have to do. They come in. They bide their time and then they go home Um, and they don't really care to be there. They don't want to be there. They don't have anything that encourages them to be there because at a larger school, they become just a number. Um, And I mean, I even see that as a teacher. I mean, I have 130 kids a day. And so it's hard for me to cater to those who need help. Um, So I do my best to try to help every kid, but I can't hit a a class of 30 by myself, I'm not going to be able to help every single individual student. Otherwise I spend the whole hour trying to help 10 kids and I still haven't even hit half of them. Um, Then you never get to teach. Right. So that would leave nothing, but we just have, they, they don't really care. We don't do corporal punishment. Very, 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 I mean, at all really, um, we don't do corporal punishment. I mean, in a larger school, I mean, admin's scared that if something happens to them, they get sued or they file lawsuit. Um, and that comes with a bigger school is they think that because we are a bigger school, we should be able to provide more alternative methods than um, what smaller schools can give. They're like, oh, well, you're a large school. You have more funding um, <clears throat> Should be able to do this, this, this and this before it gets to this. Um, or you should be able to. I hear all the time. Well, I got rights. I got rights. Well, let's let's. Let's right. get to 18 before you pay those bills and then we'll talk about your rights. But we just have a level of disrespect. I mean, even from parents, like they don't even respect the teachers anymore. A lot of times it's our fault that kids are failing in our classes. It's our fault that I didn't help them. Well, my kid came to you and said that they uh, asked for help and you didn't help them. Well, what they didn't tell you was I was trying to help three other kids and they were being impatient at the same time. So I was trying to get to your kid, but I got a class of 30. I'm doing my best to do everything. So that's, that's our big struggle is there's not enough of us and we have two large class size and that disrespect just keeps going up. Right. Absolutely. I, if I can, can I add something to that? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the disrespect, that's, that's a big issue. I mean, one thing I think really contributed to that issue is the staggum COVID stuff. Oh uh, uh, yeah. This virtual yeah, kids, word. kids were virtual pretty much for two years. And they, you know, they pretty much raise themselves a lot of kids in their homes while they're doing virtual. And then they come back to structure. And that's, you know, we're the bad guys now because we're holding kids to structure. But I've also learned mm-hmm. or not learned. But I mean, I've, I've witnessed like like I told you that we do corporal punish corporal punishment in the small school. And nine times out of 10, when I, you know, administer corporal punishment, that kid's mad at me right then. But when mm-hmm. I see that kid later on. They're high-fiving me. Uh, I've had kids give me hugs in public. I mean, they, they want somebody to hold them to a standard. Mm-hmm. you know. And then that's if it's not going to be done in the home, then it's got to be done somewhere. And I believe that's where the school has to step up. Yep. And Absolutely. Sometimes Absolutely. we don't. We don't hold them to that standard. We make an expectation, but we don't make them keep that expectation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's sad to see the lack of um, – men in most of these kids lives you know you were talking about like them raising themselves and i don't know that it's real big and popper bluff you know it's it's sad to think that that there are many of these kids that go home and don't even get fed the only time that they eat is when they're in the school mm-hmm. and um the the home lives that they 
they experience is is devastating you know something no no child should should ever have to go through you know i was a children's pastor for i don't know nine years or so you know and uh to where i didn't deal with it the way that you guys deal with it every day um i remember being being inside the homes and dealing with kids with their you know their their grandparents raised them and and their their moms either in prison or you know, strung out on drugs somewhere. The dad's non-existent, and it's it, it's awful. It's awful to to think that these kids have to experience that, and uh, it it kind of makes. I, I don't necessarily want to say that I can, it condones their actions. You know, the disrespect and stuff. But you know, it, it kind of you could see you, why they would be so hard. Gives you a better understanding. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. At our open house last night, it amazed me. There was one specific instance um, where the kid walked in to meet the teacher and the dad just sat outside, didn't say a word, didn't meet the teacher, didn't do nothing. And then the amount of like moms and grandmas I saw there, like there was not that many men that were there. And I I get some men work nighttime shifts, so they couldn't be there. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about like the dads who could have been there, but chose not to or haven't been there ever. Right. And that's just rising more and more and more. I mean, this is my fifth year teaching going into my fifth year teaching should be six, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but they, every year there's less and less men who come to these orientations. It's more and more mom or more and more sibling. I have siblings that walk their kid, their uh, younger brother and sisters around the school instead of parents coming in there. And that's, that's an issue. I mean, it starts at home. That's right. That's and exactly right. Preach it more and more enough that it has to start at home. Absolutely. So with you guys being men and being in the school district, um, you know, most most of the teachers and men are all women. And I'm not I'm not trying to. But do you guys see a different level of influence over the students being a male versus the influence a woman has over these kids lives? Absolutely. Um, I'm going to refer back to days I taught. Um, and my wife is a teacher as well, so we could collaborate on a lot of things. And uh, there was a year where we both taught junior high at the same school, so we would have the same students. Mm-hmm. And there'd be times, as a male, I can say one word or even just give a look. Mm-hmm. And, and what really helps me also is that I'm a pretty large male, so uh, it, it does make a difference. Hefty. Um, Hefty, uh, <laughs> chunky, but you know, uh, you can, as a male, you can give that look or you can give that word, and you're going to see immediate results from that. You're going to see a, a posture straightened up, you're going to see an attitude melt away. Hence, a woman, they're going to have a little bit more of a struggle. And I mean, it's proven. Uh, mm-hmm. young, young men don't want to be told. Uh, what to do by a woman. That's just, that's mm-hmm. just the facts of it. And they're going to buck it and try to do what they can to to make themselves look tough in front of their friends. And right. I believe, unfortunately, uh, part of the teaching process is a woman trying to convince the student that she's in charge. And then, I mean, mm-hmm. well, it's true. And women it, by it, nature, they have that motherly, that motherly nature that comes out. So they want to attend to the basic needs of every kid um, where men, we don't, we don't focus on that as much. And so like it's, I have, we have a bunch of women um, at Pop Bluff who are fantastic teachers. However, like Brooke said, the kids don't see them as an authority figure. They kind of see them more as a parent figure um, because majority of their time in their life, that's what they've had. So all women in their right. life are nurturers. They've had no like discipline because moms had to do both jobs. And right. so like, our my uh, neighboring teacher, she'll send me her discipline issues and I'll take care of it right then and there because they know I'm not playing around. I'm not going to mess with them. I'm not going to give you any chances. Um, but that just goes back to their home life. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with the lack of men that these kids have in their lives. You know, they it's almost a, a shock and awe type of thing. You know, they like they almost don't know how to re, to respond to. Uh, a man be like, hey, that's enough. You know, um, I know subbing last year, there were many times I'd be in the school and there and, and I'd hear, uh, hey, watch out for this student. 
watch you know watch out for that guy of course it and of course being a sub they they don't get a chance to be used to me but i walk in the room and i'd be like i don't know what the heck these people are talking about i i didn't have a problem with them the whole time and uh and i and i do think that that being a strict man naturally they don't they don't even realize it but naturally they want structure like you were saying brooks that they want structure in their life they they want somebody to to be like hey because whether they realize it or not it shows that they care they want consistency yes Yes. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about, you know, our faith in the schools and some of the curriculum that we that uh, we hear. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This portion of the Real Men Talk is brought to you by RL Persons Construction. For over 29 years, they have been a regional leader completing projects that include private, municipal, state and federal agencies of all types, from mass grading, utilities, concrete of all types, to buildings both conventional and pre-engineered steel. You can expect excellence in all aspects of their finished work. Contact them today at 573-686-1323 and let them know you appreciate them bringing you Real Men Talk. If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday Come be a part of the discussion. This portion of Real Men Talk is brought to you by The Jewelers Bench. They are a full-service jewelry store offering many styles of gold, silver, diamonds, and gemstones. And all jewelry repair is done in-house so you can get your treasured pieces back as soon as possible. They are also a licensed Citizen Watch dealer. Make sure to visit them today at 1353 Northwestwood or call 573-686-1522. Call or stop in and thank them for bringing you Real Men Talk. If you have a question about this week's show, please drop us an email to realmenatpalaceofpraise.com. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the show with Anthony and Kyler. All right, guys, welcome back. So here with Kyler Sal and Brooks Duncan. So I, I would like to discuss a little bit about um, your faith inside the school. So being a Christian male figure, what kind of influence do you think you have to the students and your peers? Hmm. Um. Uh, I can, uh, it's not just being a male figure. It's also, I keep going back to the small school setting. Um, I feel I have more, I have more Liberty. Uh, there's been several times where we've had, uh, prayer in the office, um, with doors open. Uh, there's been, you know, the door shut. We've prayed. There've been times where I've, you know, I've talked with students about God, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm not doing it with every student, right? I, right. I, I, I pick and choose. We go to a large church, so there's a lot of our kids that go to our church that you know go to our school, and I feel at more liberty with them. But <clears throat> excuse me, I feel that uh, we have been afforded being where we are uh, that God is a little bit more freely to be expressed. If that right. makes sense uh, with what we do at Naylor. Right. Absolutely. Kyler. Um, fortunately, we're still in the Bible belt, so it's not as right. frowned upon if you were to say something, but I can see that more and more it's being tested in our public schools. Um, I have students who just don't want to hear it and they'll shut you down. 
Um, so you kind of have to, and teaching is a balancing act. You, you want to make the relationships with the kids so they trust you and they're confident in you. So you just, it's more of a learning who you can talk to. And it's more of just, you know, letting God show through your actions at a larger school than it is more of words. And I know like the kids, I tell them at the very beginning of the year, a lot of them see me at church on the praise team, that kind of stuff. So they see me, they know that I go to church. Um, and I express that to them. I tell them at the very beginning of the year and a little bit about me, that kind of stuff. So they know that door is open if anybody ever needs to. Um, I've prayed with some kids, um, at school, we've talked about it. Um, so they know it's open, but it's not something, um, that I feel like I couldn't do, but probably not something that, um, a lot of the kids now would receive it. I mean, it's nothing for me to walk in and I've got a girl who's a boy this day, but it's a Mm -hmm. boy the next day. And then they go by this name that day and that name this day. And it's, so it's a, it's a struggle to learn that balance, but it is a balancing act now. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, I, several times, you know, I, go back to seven last year, several times I'd walk in and they'd be like, you know, well, you'd have like a girl's name and she'd be like, call me Charles or, you know, mm-hmm. and of course me as a sub, I could get by with no. And, um, you know, I mean, they're just not going to ask me to come back. So <laughs> <laughs> you have a little more freedom, right? You know, I don't, I'm not going to lose my job. You know, I'm just going to go to a different school right. and, uh, <laughs> you know, we don't but, have subs anyway, so you're safe. It, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Nobody said anything yet. Anyways, but uh, having having just that that presence, though, you know, I mean, you, when you walk, because the truth is, is as men, um, it, when when you guys walk into your classrooms or your school building, um, having being filled with the Holy Spirit, just your guys's very presence changes the atmosphere around you guys. And, uh, and I'm sure that has a massive effect on, on the students, whether they realize it or not, God is working through you guys, just Kyler, kind of like you said, just through your actions, just being, being, keeping a standard to yourself and around them. So, oh yeah. And they know. So in my classroom, there's always, it's, it's instrumental worship music. It's always playing. Because I know that there are demons ready to attack them. I know that there are things that they're struggling with, but I don't want that to enter my classroom. I don't want it there. Um, So it's nothing for me to pray over my rosters, pray over my room. Um, But that music is playing all the time. Sometimes it's louder if we're doing work. Majority of the time, it's just down low in the background music. But um, I actually had a friend who taught me that in in, uh, college we'd go to his house and his mom had worship music playing the whole time she goes i don't care i want these uh spirits and demonic spirits to know that they are not welcome here and i was right. like okay touche that's easy so um i set that atmosphere for them that way they have that freedom right that's and that's amazing that's that's awesome um so let's let's kind of dig into this some of the curriculum that you guys have seen so last year i was subbing and I can't remember what class it was, um, but I was watching these kids take these this IXL on this on this tablet uh, on their Chromebooks or whatever, um, and it began to talk about woke sports. Okay, so this is this is what it was. What kind of of curriculum or if any curriculum have you guys seen that you're like, man, this is not th- this is not good. Uh, personally, in our school, <clears throat> uh, when it comes to woke curriculum or uh, uh, anything that's uh, iffy, I like to call, mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're going to be one of the last ones to see that. Uh, for one, we're not going to implement something like that until, you know, we're absolutely required to do that. Uh, right. And that probably will that will probably happen. I mean, I, I could see the government attaching fundage um, to what type of curriculum is being taught. Um, it's already being said that they're tying fundage for uh, food. Um, if you don't have access for transgenders to use restrooms, 
um, they will right. hold back fundage for food. So I could see um, if certain curriculum is not taught uh, that they could start doing that. But thankfully, it has not hit us. And um, we're our school board's old school, you know, and they will fight it until they absolutely have to fight it. And a lot of our teachers, you know, there's some way they they don't want to teach something, you know, that. That's going to cause confusion. I mean, that's what all woke right. does is cause confusion and chaos. So, absolutely, Kyler. I don't think we see it as much in the curriculum um, as we do in the day by day decision making. I mean, for instance, our health curriculum—they cannot talk anything about gender, sex, that kind of stuff without bringing in somebody from the health department. So they have to; it has to be done through the health department. Otherwise, like a teacher can't just teach it. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, used to, you put the boys in one room, girls in one room and you, you talk about, you know, life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now it's not that way. Somebody who is from the health department has to come in that way. They make sure they use the correct wording, the, the correct, um, verbiage that the, not necessarily government wants, but more of our district is watching their back, making sure that they're not going to get sued for something. And that's, that's more of what we're seeing. So, um, and like Brooks talked about the transgender bathrooms, if a kid, I mean, we have, I'm talking from 12, 13 year olds. We have a kid who identifies as a boy. We have to make sure that they have a bathroom to themselves. So now the teachers have to go up their bathroom for them to use that. So we're seeing it more in the day by day decision-making of what the kids expect. Um, Mm -hmm. and pretty much we're just trying to avoid lawsuits. Right. Which is, which is sad that we've gotten to that point, you know, to where, a school district has to tolerate um, something like that, you know, because we're we're talking about when, whenever I look at this, I look at the health of, of, of this child, the mental health of this child. You know, what what are we accepting that instead of helping, you know, promoting instead of uh, and, and promoting and condoning versus trying to help this kid who may really have um, a, a mental what whatever you want to call it um, uh, issue. Mm-hmm. And, um, you, you know, what what are we doing as a school district, you know, and I'm so glad to hear Brooks that that you guys aren't experiencing so much of this, you know, on in there. Um, but even I personally have seen it, and you know, I hear my kids talk about it. You know, boys come to school in dresses, and you know, yeah. The, as a matter of fact, they were um, we were discussing it just the other day uh, that there was a boy that would come to school in a dress and in, in women's shoes. And then when his dad come to pick him up, he would change in the office, Yep. you know, and, and that happens more often than not. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, used to, it was the girls, you know, wearing too short of skirts or, you know, trying to change before their parents got there. You know, now we, we have, this Where's is insane stuff. Yeah, See, that, that's that's what frustrates me is that is that schools are allowing this. I know we're trying to avoid yes. lawsuits, but there comes to a point where you can create that standard in your school and you can follow that standard to a point. Um, OK, example, Johnny wants to wear a dress to school. Well, let me call home just to make sure that it's OK uh, with your mom and dad. And more often than not, you're going to be surprised that the home is not OK with it. Right. If home is not okay with it, then you don't have to follow through with that. You're giving the school a lot of times, in my opinion, it's given in to something before even trying to fight it. Mm-hmm. They're right. Saying, okay, you want to be a you want to be a an apple today? All right, you're an apple. Okay. Yeah. Instead of saying, okay, let's let's look into this. Why do you want to be an apple? Does your family think about you know? Instead of just you know thinking the kid has all the you know has all the power, and we're giving right. too much power to the kid. Yeah, I mean, even now, and I don't know if we're seeing it local um, too much. I mean, I've heard rumors or whatever, but I don't have. But I know, like, especially like on the coast, I mean, they even have students that are identifying as cats. Uh, That is local. I heard about the case today, actually, uh, down closer. uh, I was saying the Campbell. It wasn't at Campbell, but in the Campbell area where a teacher had a student that was identifying as a cat. 
and they would have to provide a place for the student to uh, use the restroom. Yeah, like a like an animal. It's called a they, bathroom. Yeah, no, I, like no. I I don't understand. Okay, so so again, I go back to the mental health of this of this student. If this student really thinks that he or she is a cat, there is something mentally wrong here yeah. that we should, instead of condoning, we should be, be providing services that this kid can talk to somebody. You know, if, if something traumatic has happened in this student's life that, you know, they need counseling, they need, you know, whatever it is to talk them through this instead of condoning, you know, kind of right. like what you were saying, Brooks, you know, just allowing it to happen and being like, okay, it's, it's all right. You know, you can, you can do whatever you want. Um, so it, uh, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Uh, so, I mean, I think it swinging this back to men, I think if you look in to apply a large percentage of these cases that we see kids that are dealing with this, I call it an identity crisis is all it is. Uh, more than likely, they are going to have issues in the home. When I say issues in the home, they're probably not having a prominent male figure pouring into them the right way. And so little Johnny, he's trying to find, okay, what am I? I haven't been told what a man is. I haven't been told how to be a man. I haven't been shown how to be a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I mean, if you go to school, majority of the staff is what women, so, women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's just one of those things when you see a student misbehaving and then you see their home life, you have a little bit better perspective. I tell my teachers yes. all the time, if you have a bad student, and they ride the bus, ride that bus route, see where that kid gets off. And you're going to kind of see, okay, I understand why you're acting like you are. I will try to find a different approach to, to reach you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the truth is that men have failed for many generations. You know, I mean, good grief. Most adult men don't really know, have, have never had an example of a man in their life. Uh, You know, this is, this is not a present generation issue. This is a, ongoing issue that has been escalating for for decades um, oh, yeah. and we are seeing the results of the lack of men in in our children's lives from each generation right you know? and i think each generation just portrays it differently i mean if yes. you look uh 20 30 years ago if a man was not in a home a lot of kids turned to drugs right uh um if you look you know 10, 15 years ago, you're seeing a lot of kids, you know, diving into the online world, whatnot. Right. And now you have, you know, identity crisis. It's just, it's always something that's going to replace that male figure if the male figure don't step up. Yeah, right. absolutely. And a lot of it, I feel, is men are just getting more and more lazy. They don't want to have to have the responsibility of a kid. They don't want to have to have the response. They don't want responsibility. They want to be able right. to go and do as they please, come in, come out, leave. They're, they don't want to have to be a role model. They don't want to have to meet an expectation. And the fact of the matter is you reproduce, you have an expectation to uphold and you have to be there as a father. You have to teach them what it is to be a father. And that starts with you at home. And if you choose not to do that, then you need to not have kids that if way. You can right. reproduce, if you can reproduce, you need to produce yes. right. what uh, that child needs. Exactly. Absolutely. You have to, I, I call it uh, needs first. I call it extended adolescence. You know, mm-hmm. the, these these men, they want to be kids all their lives. You know what I mean? And uh, they don't want to have any responsibility. And uh, we are definitely paying the price in our society, you know, especially when you get out, <clears throat> you get into places like California, um, you know, Illinois, you get up to the Chicago area, um, New York, uh, these very liberal liberal places you can see the lack of masculinity in mm-hmm. in, in these regions well and and i feel so, like they think that they have to make a choice like i can be a dad or i can have fun i can't do both right and that's not true like no yes for a short time in your life you know you're consumed by that kid i mean when it's an infant there's nothing that you can do it has or nothing it can do you it has to have everything based on you okay but as they grow up you are just like my kids. We hop in the car. We just go. I don't right. think that it's never an issue. I don't think of them as a burden. And I feel like some kids, they act out because that's how they feel. They are a burden. Um, and, right. And 
that's just what it comes down to is they think they have to choose and you don't have to choose. You can do both. Yeah. A statement that really gets under my skin when I hear fathers say, um, I can't go with you tonight because I got to watch my kids. Right. I'm like, under my skin. I'm like, I'm like, come on, brother. I think they I are your babysit. kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yes. We all need a break sometimes. I'm right. not, I'm not blind to the fact I have three kids. I'd love them do anything for them, but there are times that they drive me bonkers. Yes. And we need breaks, but I'm not, uh, they're, they're an extension of me. I want to the very best in every aspect of their lives. And I will do what it takes right. to give them the very best I can. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's part of being a man. Um, yeah. You know, and I think, a, uh, I think another thing that we are having a, serious issue and Kyle we've talked about this over the last couple uh podcasts is is the the worldview epidemic mm-hmm. um you know we were talking about how you know only 17 people 17 percent of the people in the church on average have a authentic biblical worldview so right. even these kids who are raised in church aren't being raised by an authentic biblical worldview anyways. And right. so they they're getting two different voices and they have no idea what's going on and all the emotions and everything else that comes in, into play growing up. It, I mean, you could see why they would just be torn and, and confused. Right. We yeah. were talking about that tonight in class, actually. Um, one of the people gave their testimony and it was a testimony of how uh, she covered her children, that God helped provide her with a way for her to cover their children in their season. And if we aren't providing that coverage for our kids, if we are not laying that foundation of the Bible, if we are not laying down exactly how to be a good Christian role model so that they can battle those different voices. I mean, you walk into a school and it's a playground for different spirits and different lies that the enemy can get into their heads. And if we can't teach them, you know, as fatherly figures, it can't be on the moms all the time. Moms already do a lot. They cannot, we cannot just depend on the women to be the dad and everything else too. We've got to step up as men and we've got to fill in that role that we also have to be a covering for our kids. We have to teach them the correct way and we can't just let them because it's take the easy way out. Well, you know what? Go ask your mom. No, right. I'm going to tell you, this is exactly how you battle this issue. And she provided that covering for her kids. And if we as dads cannot provide that covering so they can't go to school. Yeah. It's just going to get worse. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we're, we're kind of coming to an end here of the show. If you guys, if somebody was on the a man was on the fence about going to school, what kind of um, and becoming a teacher? What kind of advice would you either give to um, a, a soon to be teacher or maybe even a male student that is listening to? This? Uh, one thing that comes to my mind is the verse Philippians uh, one six, where it talks about being confident of the of this that. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So I believe teaching is a calling. Um, we've all, we all know you don't get paid enough, uh, lack of respect, uh, sometimes a lack of support. Uh, there's just a lot of things that a lot of negatives and a lot of things in the negative column that would prevent somebody from teaching. But if it's a calling and you feel that God's called you to pour into children's lives, then know that when times get tough, uh, when times, uh, it's not going to be peachy all the time. When times get tough and things come against you, parents come against you, students disrespect you, administration feels like they're breathing down your neck that God has called you to that. Mm-hmm. And that right. what he has started, he's not going to do in vain. He's got a purpose for you in that situation. So that purpose, you may not see that purpose. You may, you may think, why am I here? But know that God is here. God has put you there and that God is going to use you to minister uh, to students, it may not be directly through a Bible. This is what I preached on, you know, to Wednesday a week ago, is that we are limited as adults in a school. We can express God through our behavior and our actions mm-hmm. and our reactions. Um, so the way you act and the way you carry yourself uh, is a big part. And a big part of that is knowing that God has called you to do what you're doing. Amen. Kyler? I mean, 
I'm glad Brooks went first because I could say ditto. That'd be awesome. Um, but really, I mean, it is. It's a calling that you are called to do. You are called for a service to the Lord, and you are there to express your calling. Um, but they can even look if they feel like they're not needed. Oh, there are women teachers. There's plenty of teachers. Yes, there's people there. But like this group, um, I was going to talk about it. It's called Dads on Duty. Um, their presence in the school. So it was September 16th. It's a Louisiana high school, um, Southwood High School in Shreveport. They had a fight on September 16th where a lot of the kids were taken out in handcuffs. So a group of 40 dads, 40 age and, or forty years of age and older, got together and they got with the school and they got it approved and they just sit in the hallways. And they are figures that just line the hallways. They tell kids to get to class. They help uh, monitor fights. They stop fights. They sit and they have a lunch buddy program. So they meet with some of the kids, but, um, they, their presence as dads and as role models are there. They are there to talk with kids. They are there to be the firm foundation. They're there to be the authority figure, but they're also there to help the kids, you know, go through life. Um, one of the quotes they said was we're dads. We decided to be the, the best people who can take care of our kids or us. And it's, absolutely, it's, it's true. So, I mean, as any male looking to go into the profession, I mean, just, I mean, just look to them, look to social media, anybody who's starting trends, um, social media, kids are looking up to are male role models because that's what's needed. Right. Right. So, so with that being said, even if you're not looking to be a teacher, if you're not looking to, um, become a principal or something like that, if you are a man, it is, it would be good to try to get involved in the school's any way possible. I know that um, when was it? I guess it was Wednesday a week ago. Um, Brittany Miller was talking about um, you, you know this this lunch thing that they're doing. The um, lunch buddy program. Yeah, lunch buddy program, and how desperately they were needing men um, for these young boys um, to to step in. You know, so so as as we're coming to a close if you're listening you know and you want to know how to get involved in your school many schools have got programs uh you know like Papa Bluff has got um this lunch buddy program I don't know if Naylor's got something like that you know uh someone's got boys and girls club someone's got big brother uh big sister type thing um but I want to encourage you men to get along to to get into uh the schools get involved uh substitute teach um, it's, it's easy to get into now, you know, and, and figure out what your kids as a father, figure out what your kids are learning, um, figure out what they're experiencing in the schools, um, the best that you can. Something that I've had to do, um, is when my kids go, are, come home and, and don't take any offense to this, but I, I almost feel like I have to reeducate um, some of the things that they come in contact with because of some of the curriculum, um, you know, maybe it's history, maybe it's, you, you know, stuff like that. It, more so history than anything else. Psychology. Uh, we, Tony experienced my oldest in college class where they were talking about gender and how a gender is not necessarily assigned at birth. And we had to have a discussion. Hey, this is, this is why this is wrong. This is why what, no matter what you're, book says this is this is why this is wrong this this is what the bible says about mm-hmm. the situation and i want to encourage you men who are listening to to do that to take take notice into what your children are 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 learning to, to what they're hearing to what they're seeing you know one i know that if we raise our kids right it makes the teachers and the principal's jobs easier right and, um and yes. we want to do that. And if you've got any questions as a listener, uh, if you've got any questions about what, uh, you know, maybe you, you want to get involved in the school, you don't know how, or maybe you want, uh, maybe you've got questions about curriculum or what you should be saying to your kids, the conversations you should be having with your kids, you can always contact us, realmen at palsapraise.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Um, if you've liked what you heard today, like, follow, share with your friends. Um, and as always, uh, I want to end in a prayer. Holy Spirit, teach us to be godly, courageous men and teach us to be leaders of our homes, of our communities and of our churches. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen.
You've been listening to Real Men Talk, brought to you by Palace of Praise Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. If you would like to get in touch with us, shoot us an email, realmen@palaceofpraise.com, or visit our website at palaceofpraise.com. If you're a man age 16 and up and would like to be a part of the conversation, join us at the Palace of Praise every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. If you don't have a home church, consider joining us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Palace of Praise is located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. New episodes of Real Men Talk drop every Thursday at 5 p.m. You can find us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Amazon, and more. Real Men Talk is a production of Palace Media Service. Real Men Talk has been brought to you this week by RLP Construction in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For commercial contracting of all types, see RLP Construction today. And by the Jewelers Bench in Poplar Bluff. They are your one-stop shop for all your fine jewelry needs. They also do in-house repair and are your citizen watch dealer. Make sure to thank our sponsors for bringing you Real Men Talk. and join in the conversation. Join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion.